0: I want us to do this. We're going to jump right into the, the message here in a, a few minutes. But before we do that, I, I wanted to just take a moment in the midst of, of our service time. And for those of you who are watching online, just kind of before we get into the message, pause for a second and have a little bit of reflection. Because the reality is, if you're brave enough to uh, turn on the news or click through social media, one of the greatest uh, inventions ever on Facebook is called the snooze button. Um, so I've discovered this and am using this on an ongoing basis, but um, you know I give people a chance to redeem themselves, but then I snooze them again. but um, n- not any of you guys or anybody watching online these, these are other people. Um, no, if you're brave enough to to turn on the news or to see to scroll through social media, what you'll find is that uh, it's just a lot of bad news. It's, it seems like it's all bad news. In fact, I think that uh, what we're discovering is that uh, good news isn't news. Only bad news is news. And if we're not careful, what we'll do as Christ followers is we will get sucked into the bad news and find ourselves in this place of, uh, of hopelessness, of depression, and, uh, and just this, I don't know, just this... Ugh. And I don't think that that's where we're supposed to be as Christ followers. We're supposed to be light in the midst of darkness. We're supposed to be life to this world that we live in. And, and so I want us to just take a moment and, and reflect on the good things that, that God has done in our life. I want to read to you uh, from Psalm chapter one, Psalms 105, 1 through 7. Give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him, sing praise to him, which we've done this morning. Uh, Tell of all his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord, let them rejoice. Look to the Lord in his strength. Seek his face always and remember the wonders he has done, his miracles. See, it's easy for us in the midst of all of the bad news to forget all of the good news of what he's done in our lives. And so this morning, can we just take a second and uh, spend some time in reflection and prayer and think about the good things that he's done in your life. And if you're finding yourself in a season of your life where it doesn't feel like any good has come of this year, that's fine. But think back. Think back at the moment in which you've received grace and forgiveness in your life, where you the point of salvation, the point of relationship with Christ, that the good things, maybe you know someone or you yourself have experienced a miraculous work of God in your life. Reflect on that and rejoice. And so I'm gonna invite you to do this. I've been off for the last couple of weeks of of teaching and so whenever I come back, I just I like to just make you uncomfortable. So uh, can we just put our hands out like this? And, and there's nothing weird or mystical about this, but this is a posture of surrender. This is a, a position of receiving from the Lord. And so could we just put our hands out? If you're watching online, I know it's weird because you're at home and all of that, but I asked you guys to do this a couple weeks ago and you posted pictures of you doing it and I just invite you to do it again. Would you just put your hands out like this and, and then would you just right where you're at, would you think about the goodness of God? Think about those moments in your life in which he has shown up. His provision for your life his grace, his forgiveness. God, I pray this morning that for every one of us that we would experience the goodness of our God today. That we would be reminded of your love and your grace. God, that in the midst of of a toxic, crazy culture, Oh, God, that we would see the goodness of you. That we would walk out that life. We would walk out that light in the midst of darkness. God, that we would be a reflection of you everywhere that we go. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we find ourselves... Uh, in this series called The Not-So-Basic Basics. And kind of the idea of this was as a, uh, as a pastoral team, we thought, you know, it would be really good for us because we find ourselves in just a chaos, in a chaotic time, it'd be good for us to kind of go back and look at some things uh, of the kingdom of God and how we are to live this life. Like, What, what do we do? I mean, when we see darkness and bad news all around us how do we live this out in in the world that we live in and and what does it look like to be a part of the kingdom of God for, for many of us our our cultural Christianity and what I mean by that is uh, this uh, you know coming to church on a regular basis and uh, and checking our kids in and and giving and serving and, and kind of the cultural American Christianity is really being spurred out of its comfortability. And, and I, I think that for many of us, we've gotten very comfortable and very complacent. And now we are forced into this situation where we're uncomfortable. And I don't think that's a, a bad thing. How do we respond to this toxic culture as Christ followers well this may come as a surprise to you but uh, throughout history there has been seasons and eras and 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 decades of toxicity that that there was from even the beginning and and in biblical times in the times Jesus was on this earth that there were there were seasons and there was leadership and government and laws of that were just horrible and Jesus addresses this with his disciples. He, he pulls his disciples up onto a hillside and he says, listen, if you're going to live in this life, if you're going to be followers of me, then you need to understand what it means to live in the kingdom of God, to, to live that out in this world that we're in. And so he reads to them and he gives them really one of the most important sermons ever given in the midst of a culture that was toxic. He dresses his disciples in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 through 7, and uh, as you saw on in the int- introduction video, it's uh, these are the blessed uh, verses. These are the beatitudes, the, the attitudes in how we are to live in this life, and uh, I'm about to read it to you in what's called the Passion Translation, and so it's going to sound a little bit different to you, but I I like the way that this is worded and gives us a little bit of a a, a shift or a change in, in the language. It says, one day Jesus saw a vast crowd of people gathering to hear him, and so he went up the slope of a hill and he sat down. With his followers and disciples spread over the hillside, Jesus began to teach them. He said, what wealth is offered to you when you feel your spiritual poverty? For there is no charge to enter the realm of heaven's kingdom. What delight comes to you when you wait upon the Lord, for you will find what you long for. What blessings come to you when gentleness lives in you, for you will inherit the earth. How enriched are you when you crave righteousness, for you will be surrounded with fruitfulness. And then how satisfied you are when you demonstrate tender mercy, for tender mercy will be demonstrated to you. So in week one, we... uh, we process through that verse of of what does it look like to live in spiritual poverty and uh, and then Pastor Jay talked to us about blessed are those who mourn and then last week Lucy shared with us about meekness and that meekness does not equal weakness Today we're going to talk about mercy. I know we're skipping over uh, the verse that says those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. In fact, somebody in between services said, you're messing with my OCD. This is not a a list of things where first you do this and then you do this. And it's like all of it. We're doing all of it. Uh, But next week we're going to talk about those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Super excited about that. Uh, Can't wait for you to get to hear that message. But today we're going to talk about mercy. Mercy is a word that you've heard of. Mercy is something uh, that you and I have all desired at one point or another in our life. There are over 3,000 songs that have been written about mercy. The misunderstood artist, Sean Mendes, with his song "Mercy, even Madonna is looking for mercy. It's become a Southern euphemism. Have mercy. Mercy is a game that we used to play as a kid when we would hurt our friend until they cry out, mercy. First service was on it. They were on it. Obviously, they played it, and you were the one that had to cry out mercy. It's really a dumb game if you think about it, and how much of a friend is it that's hurt anyways? But mercy is different than justice. See, if I'm accused of something I didn't do, then guess what? I want justice. I want want the whole world to know that I didn't do it. I want the whole world to know that what's being said about me is not true. I want justice for my life. But if you come to me and you tell me something that I actually did do, then I want mercy. I don't want to experience the consequences of what I did. Well, this morning, I just want to remind you that our God is a God of justice, but he's also a God of mercy. That we have a just God, but we also have a God that is full of truth. When all is said and done in this life, when we find ourselves, uh, what scripture talks about at the judgment seat, right? We are, we are, uh, we've died, we're at the judgment and we look back on all of what we've done through the eternity, all of our life, and we we look at the sin of our life, we look at the, the mistakes and how we've hurt God, my guess is that not one of us in this room, not one of us watching online, will look at the judge and say, I want justice. I want justice for all of this. No, in reality, what will happen is we'll stand before the judgment and we will look at all of what's taken place throughout our life and we will say, Lord, will you have mercy? Will you have mercy? Throughout the Old Testament, the theme that rings out is that our God is a merciful God. Scripture after scripture speaks of his mercies. Psalm 116.5, the Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. His mercies are talked about in Deuteronomy and Chronicles and Nehemiah and throughout the book of Psalms, probably because David, of anyone, needed mercy. When we move to the New Testament and and God's mercies are continued to be talked about, what we see is just this little twist to it. Because now it's not just in reference to our God, but it's in reference to us. Luke six, thirty five and thirty-six. I just gave him verse thirty-six, but I wanted to read both of these. But love your enemies and do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the most high, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. And then in verse thirty six it says, Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. The New Testament continues to declare the mercies of God. But it's telling us that we, as Christ followers, as as believers in Jesus, that we should be extending mercy just as our Father has extended mercy to us. Here's the bad news in all of this. The bad news is that if if we are told throughout Scripture and we believe that, that because of what Scripture says that we are to extend mercy to those who have like us hurt our Heavenly Father, it means that people who are hurting us or have hurt us, that we are to extend mercy to them. And the truth is, is that no one in this room, none of you watching online this morning, are exempt from being hurt by someone else. None of us are immune to to being hurt. It's just the reality of this life. So here's the challenge that we have to face. Someone has hurt us, and we know that we should extend mercy to that person because blessed are the merciful, but we have a hard time in our hearts doing it. And what I mean by finding mercy towards them is that That to that someone who hurt us, that we're not going to respond with what they may deserve. But instead, extend mercy. It's hard to live a life of mercy. It's interesting to me that something that we so desire for ourselves is so difficult to extend to other people. Why is that? What is it about mercy and what is it about forgiveness that is so difficult to extend to other people, but we ourselves want it for ourselves? What is it about that? Well, I have some thoughts. I've got lots of opinions, but I also have some thoughts. And the first is this, is that we simply just don't trust God to handle it. I know that sounds a little bit harsh but the reality is is if we find ourselves in a place where we're saying I'm going to take a step back and I'm just going to let you handle it God there's a challenge there isn't it because we know how gracious our God is and there's a fear that if we take a step back and we say God you're going to have to deal with this I'm going to extend mercy God I commit this into your hands the concern is, is that he's not going to give them the punishment that we want him to give them. We don't trust him. We don't trust that his ways are our ways. And I know this may hurt your feelings, but they're not. We think, what if, what if God lets them off easy, at least in our eyes, like what we think the punishment, what if he lets them off easy? One of, my, one of my core convictions in life uh, that I've discovered is that uh, justice is a core value of mine. When I see injustice, it, it breaks my heart. Uh, there was a, a time uh, in high school where I was really considering being a lawyer. And, uh, and the reality is, is I couldn't be. I, I couldn't be, uh, I was going to say, I couldn't be a Christian and a lawyer. I'm not saying that you can't be a Christian and a lawyer. Not saying those are oxymorons. I'm just saying I personally could not uh, reconcile my deep conviction of justice and my deep conviction of mercy, either in a prosecuting sense or in a defense sense. That it's like how, how do we, how do I, how do I reconcile that? That when injustice takes place, there's just something that rises up in me. And so when, for me to take a step back and say. God, I trust you with this takes a lot because I know what justice needs to be served and I'm ready to serve it. The second reason is that we don't want to appear weak. As I said uh, last week, Pastor Lucy said, uh, meekness does not equal weakness. And I would say to you, uh, mercy also does not equal weakness. Oftentimes we find ourselves in situations where there are people around us, even Christians, Christ followers, people who want us to carry out or are pressuring us to carry out punishment towards someone who's wronged us. Feels good at times. In fact, when someone has wronged you or someone has, uh, has an offense or, or, or there's, they've done something to hurt you, Who is the person that you run to? Who are the group of people that that you go find yourself uh, in the middle of? Typically, it's not the people who are going to tell you to take a deep breath, relax, let's pray about it, and let's see what God has to say about how we should respond. It's usually the ones that are helping you devise the plan to get back at the person that hurt you. Why do we do that? We do it because it feels good. They're on our team. They're on our side. And in the midst of pain, in the midst of hurt, we want people to agree with us. And the reality is is we should be running towards those people, the, the previous people, who are actually saying, wait a minute. Before you react, before you respond, let's just take a deep breath and let's go to the Lord. We can't cave into the pressure of dealing with people out of our flesh. We have to surround ourselves with those who have walked in the path of mercy and forgiveness. If you're looking for somebody to help you in the midst of whatever it is that you're going through, find someone who's had to extend mercy. Find someone who's, who's found it within them to extend forgiveness towards someone else. Those are the people that will help walk you through this process. The third thing is that we want control. We wanna be the one that picks and chooses who receives mercy and who doesn't. It's almost like we have this uh, unwritten list of people who are deserving of mercy and people who are not. And maybe for you, it's not an unwritten list. Maybe you just actually have a list of people and you put it on your refrigerator and you're like, I'm not gonna ever give them mercy. I don't know what you do. But whatever the case, there is a sense of control where we're like, I I will forgive these people, but I won't forgive these. In my life, of course, I will extend mercy uh, towards my wife. Not that she's done anything wrong ever in her life, Um, but if she ever does, I will extend more mercy to her. To my kids, that they, they will, as many times as I need to, I will extend mercy. But I wonder if we have those people in our lives that we don't ever want to extend mercy towards. We even have levels of evil, don't we? Levels of sin where, where we will extend mercy to these kind of people, but these kind of people, never. And I would just remind you that evil exists throughout our world. And regardless of, uh, there is no levels of evil. Evil's evil. The last reason, I think, and maybe the most important one, is because we lack understanding of just how much mercy we have received. We don't fully understand how we ourselves have received mercy from Christ. The religious, the self-righteous people of the day, of Jesus' time, they were all gathering together in a house and Jesus was there, of course, and and they're bringing judgment towards a woman who uh, scripture says is a sinful woman we can uh, we can maybe conclude what kind of sin, although I don't know that it really matters it's just that this is a sinful woman and everybody in the room knew it and she comes in and she throws herself at Jesus's feet and and she begins to weep and and pour uh, perfume over his feet and wash his feet, and, and the religious self-righteous people of the time were not excited about this, and they begin to question Jesus in this. And Jesus, is, Jesus responds to Simon by saying this in Luke chapter 7. He says, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he says. Well, two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed them 500 denarii and the other 50, so 10 times as much. Jesus says, Neither of them had the money to pay him back, and so he forgave the debts of both. Which one of them will love him more? So Simon replies, he says, I I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. And he turns to the woman and says to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house, you didn't give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears, and she wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown But whoever has been forgiven loves uh, little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. And the other guests began to say among themselves, more self-righteous judgmental things. Like, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Now I want you to go in peace. It's this perfect picture of someone who has recognized the amount of grace and the amount of mercy that has been extended to her. And in the only way she knows how, she pours out that same love and appreciation. I think that sometimes we lose sight and lose track or we compartmentalize. Well, God's got to show mercy to me, but I don't have to show mercy to you. And I think we do ourselves a disservice and I think we, we walk on very thin ice when we come with that approach. Instead, it ought to be, I know exactly how much mercy has been extended to me. And I want to look for every opportunity to extend mercy to someone else. Brian Stevenson, the author of Just Mercy, says this, he, he says, there's a strength, a power even, in understanding brokenness. Because embracing our brokenness creates a need and a desire for mercy. And perhaps a corresponding need to show mercy. When you experience mercy, you learn things that are hard to learn otherwise. You see things you can't otherwise see. And you hear things you can't otherwise hear. You begin to recognize the humanity that resides in each of us when you recognize your own brokenness, when we experience the mercy of our God to ourselves, it causes us to see people in ways we've never seen them before. We begin to extend mercy in circumstances and situations we might not ever have done previously. The truth is is that we, we are all broken by something. We've all hurt someone, We've all been hurt. We all share the condition of brokenness, even if if our brokenness is not equivalent. Certainly there are other people in this life who have experienced brokenness in a way that I've not ever experienced. But I would say that I can identify with brokenness. We've experienced mercy from a father in which we have sinned against, a father we have heard and betrayed, and because of the mercy we have received, we now freely give mercy. And the kingdom of God, if we were to live this out on this earth, the rule is you will be blessed when you show mercy. And by blessed, what I mean is when you extend mercy to people, you yourself will receive mercy. That is the blessing that comes your way. And it's usually about this time that people are jotting down notes and, and realizing um, there's exceptions. Yeah, I hear you that, that, that I'll be blessed if I extend mercy, and I will extend mercy. I'll extend mercy here and here and here. But what about this? And it's the whatabouts. The whatabouts always come. In the midst of a message, we we start thinking and processing and we're like, but what about this? What about our kids? Do we just do we never discipline our kids? Do we just show mercy to them all the time? I said, well, if you want your kid to grow up and be a complete jerk, then yes. But if you don't want your kid to end up in prison, then I would say heed to the warning that's in Scripture that says spare the rod, spoil the child. That the reality is, of course, there are circumstances and situations where there's still consequences, there's still discipline, there's still things that we are charged with in raising our children, of course. But I would encourage you to extend some balance into this, and my wife and I have certainly not gotten this all right, but one of the things that we've tried to do with our children is, yes, we extend discipline and consequences in our home. And if you ask any one of our kids, they will say, yeah, that's true. But we also find those moments and those times where we extend mercy. In fact, I remember when, I probably shouldn't tell this story, but I'm going to, I'll just, I already started it. So um, <laughs> our kids love it when I tell stories about them. They, it's like their favorite thing. And it was like me when I was a pastor's kid, and I loved it when my dad told stories about me. Our middle daughter, she, uh, she's what they call a strong-willed child, and when she was uh, uh, a little, little girl, uh, probably around three or four, uh, there was a problem. Uh, there was a fit being thrown, and we were going to discipline that fit, and we had already begun instilling in our kids this idea of mercy, and my middle daughter, Claire, looks up at me with tears coming out of her eyes, and she says, mercy, Daddy, mercy. <laughs> I said, I'll show you mercy. <laughs> no, we, we want to instill in our kids this idea of mercy. Why? We want them to experience what it feels like to have mercy so that when they grow up and someone hurts them, or betrays them, that they'll be able to extend mercy. As a pastor, one of the things I hear a lot is, how am I supposed to forgive? How, I know I'm supposed to turn the other cheek. I know I'm supposed to give them the coat off my back. But what What about, and then, and then it inevitably comes to abuse. And it exists, and it's horrible. Well, what about abuse? Am I supposed to just take it? Am I supposed to just... Give mercy every single time. The truth is is that there are times in which we have to have boundaries to protect ourselves, both physically, emotionally, spiritually, that, that we have to put boundaries in place. But boundaries do not take the place of mercy and forgiveness. What boundaries do is they give us the space for mercy and forgiveness, I don't have all the answers, but I do know this. I know that in Scripture we see a story, and I'll I'll end with this story, where there's a woman who is dragged out of uh, the act of adultery. And she's thrown out into the street. And all of the self-righteous men of that time were out there, and they're, they're asking Jesus what, you know, she should be stoned. We, we should kill her. That's what the law says, so let's, let's do this. And, and the story goes that Jesus gets down on, on his knee and he, he draws in the sand, in the dirt of the road, and we don't know exactly what was drawn. We don't know if he, he just did a line or if he started drawing, writing out the sins of all of the self-righteous guy. I, I, that's my hope, <laughs> because I'm a justice guy. Uh, But we don't know that for sure. We just know that there was something written in Jesus' response to them. I'll tell you what, those who are without sin, go ahead and cast that first stone. If, If you don't have any sin in your life and you're ready to stone her for her sin, and listen, this is one of those sins that might be on your evil list of unforgivable things. And Jesus says to him, if you're without sin, just go ahead, cast it, throw it at her. And one by one, Scripture says that they walked away. They walked away because they knew that not one of us is without sin. And yet sometimes we act as though we've never sinned in our life. And part of that comes from the reality that we've never sinned like that. And what, you, what I mean by like that is not like that, but maybe like that. Well, I've never done this. I've never done that. I can judge those things. I've only done this. No, we don't get to be the judge and jury in this situation. Blessed are the merciful, and they're blessed because they will receive mercy. Let's pray.